Um, question. Uh, let's just, anyone under 25, let me just survey real quick. Does anyone under 25 know what an 8-track player is? Anybody know what? All right, that's what I thought. Round up, oh, no, yeah, that's tentative. I'm not sure. You're not too sure. Okay, see you, bro. Um, <clears throat> reason I ask is because I was, uh, I overheard a conversation this week that my dad was having with a, a teenager, and he was trying to explain to them what an 8-track player was. And I thought, Dad, you are so old. That is crazy how old you are. Uh, and so it got me thinking about um, things that my dad experienced as a kid and his generation that future generations didn't experience and things that I experienced as a kid that my kids won't experience. And so I wanted to throw a question out for you, for you to talk uh, to some neighbors about, is ask them, what is something that a kid in your generation experienced that future generations did not get to experience, okay? And if you're young, um, things that you've experienced that you don't think future generations are going to get to experience, all right? So just take a moment, ask somebody about that. Go. All right, let me, uh, let me just see if I can get a couple, couple answers from this side of the room over here. What do you got? What's something that you experienced as a kid, your generation, future generations aren't going to get to? Just throw out an answer. Okay, why did you have to bring that up? She said Toys R Us, which is just, that's too soon. That's just rude. We're all still kind of trying to deal with it right now. Okay, Toys R Us. What else you got? CDs, cassette takes, what is it? What? Dial tone. Okay, dial tone. I forgot about that. That's fine. Okay, how about anybody in this, this section over here? No remote controls. Yes, it's on our phones now. Yeah, all right. What else? Skateboard with steel wheels. Back to the future. All right, cool. Cool. All right, anybody in this section over here? What is it? LimeWire. I'm right there with you, bro. The rest are like, I don't know what you're talking about. Napster. You remember that? <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, hey, let me get somebody from over here. MySpace. <laughs> Thank God. Uh, what else? What? Calling time? Like trying to figure out what? Is that a? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Whatever that means. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure what that is. Um, a couple that I wrote down. Um, my kids will never get to experience AOL dial-up. Remember when you're trying to get online? You know, and just trying to make those three stages. And then somebody picks up the phone upstairs. You get kicked off. Like, Bob! Okay. Uh, going to Blockbuster to rent a movie. How fun was that? Be kind. Rewind. They don't even know what that means. <laughs> Having to look into a TV guide to see what's going to be on this week. Yeah, where you'd highlight Thursday night, 8 o'clock, I got to be home. All right, season finale. Got to make sure I'm here for that. Or if you're, maybe you're a, a little bit younger, um, you would have the scrolling TV guide. And if you blinked, you'd miss your show and you got to wait. Oh, geez, I got to wait for it to scroll around again. And Oh, my goodness. Okay. Uh, a uh, phone booth, a phone booth, and a phone book. Yeah. Nobody gets to use those unless you're a criminal. Um, 
Oh, in high school, we used to ride around and we'd have a giant library of CDs. We'd burn CDs, we'd download them somewhat illegally, and then we would, uh, we would play them, and then if, oh, you want that song? Okay, let me find boom. They don't get to experience that now. Uh, and then, uh, oh, I had, um, I had the, this is my last one, is the, the edges on the computer paper. Do you remember that, where you'd have to peel them off? The perforated edges, you know? Do you remember? Some of you guys are like, I have no idea what that is. And other of you guys are going, is that a, I had a typewriter. I don't know, is that the same thing? No, not the same thing. Well, of course, this weekend is VBS weekend, and we had uh, hundreds and hundreds of kids and hundreds of volunteers here. I got to come in and, and experience VBS a few days this week, and it was just, it was insane. And I was thinking about VBS, and I never got to go to VBS as a kid. That's one of the things that um, my kids are experiencing that I never got to experience. I obviously grew up in church. I grew up in this church, but we were real small, and so there wasn't any kids for VBS when I was, when I was young. And these kids get to go to VBS, and they get to go to, like, the rock star version of VBS, it is just, it's crazy. And the reason why we put so much time and energy and resources into weeks like this and into our children's programs and the buildings, environments, all that kind of good stuff, um, is because we just love kids around here. We really do. We love the kids. We love your kids, your grandkids. We love your nieces and your nephew. We love every kid that walks through these doors. And we don't just love kids because kids are lovable. We love kids because Jesus loved kids. And so I want to look at a couple passages today in which Jesus has some interactions with children, and it gives us insight into, um, one, our responsibility with our children and grandchildren, but also um, how this kind of reflects our relationship with God. And so let me give you a couple passages, and I'll set this up. If you're not a Bible person, I'll try to kind of make it easy for you, is there are these things called the Gospels. These are the biographies of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we find stories about Jesus and his uh, interaction with people. This is where we learn about the crucifixion and resurrection and things like that. And in these, we see that Jesus has some very important interactions with children. And it's all about, uh, and this interaction is kind of, and, and you may not know this part of it, but Jesus came along and he talks about the kingdom of God. And he says, with my coming, the kingdom of God is here. And what that meant is that he was going to rule over the hearts and minds of people. But they didn't understand that. They thought it was going to be some kind of political kingdom. And so they're fighting over who's going to be the top dog. All right, Jesus, you're the king of this new kingdom, but can we be like your number two and three guys, part of the cabinet? And so his disciples are arguing about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. And he starts to explain what it means to be great in the kingdom of God. And so here's what it says. We're going to go to Matthew 18. It says this. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter into the kingdom of heaven. Uh, therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. And so they're fighting over who's going to be the greatest. And he says, okay, if you want to be the greatest, in fact, let, let's back up. If you even want to enter into the kingdom of God, you have to become like a child. Now, clearly they had no idea what he was talking about. Because if we watch um, in just a couple scenes later in the ministry of Jesus, we see that the disciples do exactly the opposite of what Jesus was trying to explain to them. So we go to Mark, I think it's Mark 10, there we go. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. So what's happening is Jesus is teaching and preaching to big crowds of people. And during this, parents are bringing their children to Jesus so that he will um, bless them. 
And this is a traditional thing that they would do in their culture in which elders, rabbis would, would bless children. I think the only version that we have of this is maybe when politicians come along, we're like, kiss my baby. You know, I don't know why we do that, but kind of, kind of similar thing. So people are bringing uh, their, their children to Jesus, and here's what happens. The disciples rebuked them. They go, guys, kids, do you not see that he's busy? He's up here preaching. He's talking about the kingdom of God. He's doing very important things. Shoo, fly, get away from here. Exactly the opposite of what Jesus just said. He's like, do you not remember the conversation that we had about children? Now, to defend the disciples just a little bit is within their context, they did not view children like we view children. In fact, one of the reasons why we view, view children the way that we do is because of Jesus, because we uh, have inherited a Judeo-Christian worldview in which children are valuable, because in that culture, they were second-class citizens. Part of it might have been because it was a defense mechanism for their parents. About 50% of the kids would not make it to age 10, so they probably didn't want to get too attached to these children. In fact, rabbis said that it wasn't even worth teaching a child until they were 12 years old. And so they were not seen as valuable like we see. They were seen as second-class citizens. They were annoying. Well, clearly that's not how Jesus saw children, because here's what we, we see next is he says, uh, it says that Jesus was indignant. He's angry. Let these kids come to me. Continue on. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Says the disciples, okay, not only do you need to let them come to me, but if you ever are going to enter into my kingdom, you got to be like them. You have to learn to be like a child. And so I want to see if we can unpack this a little bit. Oh, one more verse. He says this in verse 15. He says, truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God uh, like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed them in his hands, and blessed them. He says, look, children are the people who are going to inherit the kingdom of God. But what exactly does this mean? What does it mean that children are supposed to be the example? We're supposed to become like children. Well, I want to look at two maybe aspects of this that I think Jesus was trying to point out. The first one is that children are kind of a mirror of our relationship with God. The way that we relate to children is kind of how God relates to us in both positive and negative ways. And also it's a model for how we should relate to God. So let me start with the harsher part of it, which is um, children are, are oftentimes a mirror for how God sees us and how we relate to God. On paper, if you were to list out all the pros and cons of having children, just objectively, non-emotionally, write down everything that is the positives and negatives of having children, I think if that's how we decided to have kids, we would never have children. Right, because if you, if you list these things on here, first thing I'm going to list is they're helpless, <laughs> right? They're totally helpless. Have you ever had a newborn at your house before? Oh my goodness, it's the craziest thing. I remember bringing home our, uh, our daughter from the hospital, and she's brand new. We put her on there, and we're just looking at her like, oh, okay, this is crazy. Can you believe we have one of these? This is nuts. <laughs> and we look at it, and like 15 minutes into it, I'm going, what's it do? You know, like... <laughs> I've had a puppy before. Puppies run around. They're crazy. What's this one do? Nothing. Oh, I think it's smiling. Oh, nope, that's gas. Doesn't do anything. Totally helpless. Can't feed itself. Can't change itself. Can't walk. Can't talk. Can do absolutely nothing on its own. And I think the next thing I would list is uh, they are undeserving of everything that they have. <laughs> right? Because <laughs> think about this. Is... 
Children have absolutely no idea that they have ruined their parents' lives. I have three kids. They have taken away my freedom, my energy, my willpower to say no to food. They have taken away everything from me, right? They are just, here's the thing. Whenever my kids open their mouth, it's a giant sucking sound because that's all they do, just consume. More me, more, more. No, No contribution to the family. They're not doing anything. You don't bring home a paycheck. You got no influence on anything. You are just a giant leech on my life. All you do is just suck, suck, and suck. If you were to take this relationship and apply it to any other area of your life, say a business relationship, maybe a team member, even a friendship, you would have dropped that person so long ago. Like, look, I am tired of dragging you around. I can't, I can't do this anymore. Second thing, I, or the third thing that I would list is uh, totally ungrateful for everything that they have. I consistently get yelled by my kids. They're like little dictators who just walk around my house ordering me to do things. I'm like, okay, sir, sorry, sir. Uh, blue save me cup, I'm sorry. That was green, my bad. Ice, okay, yes, sir, I'm just a peasant here in your home. Let me know what you need from me. Right? They just walk around ordering, constantly ordering to do things. Whenever my kids complain, I've started this new thing where um, I ask them, hey, um, yeah, I'll get right to that. But just real quick, I hate to bring this up. This is so awkward, but I didn't get your check this month. <laughs> Wait, you didn't, you don't pay rent or contribute at all to this household? Oh, well then, you know what? You can eat what I bring you, <laughs> okay? <laughs> they don't get the, they don't think it's funny, but I, I get a good giggle out of it. So whatever. <laughs> Last thing I would list is this, is uh, not only are they ungrateful and undeserving, but they are also self-destructive. I am convinced that my kids get up on a daily basis and go, how can I hurt myself in a creative way today? (laughs) We have tried to childproof our house. We have done everything we can. We have locks and we have this and we have that. And they still manage to hurt themselves on a daily basis. Last month, I caught my children in the second story of our house in their bedroom where they had figured out how to unlock the windows, push the screen out, sit on the windowsill, and chuck things into the backyard from the room to see how far they would fly. (laughs) Why is a three and five-year-old sitting on a second-story windowsill? You're out of your mind, kid. You're going to get hurt. And as long as it's not too serious, I'll be happy about it. Because they just try to find ways in order to hurt themselves. I, uh, I think that it's pretty obvious kids are totally dependent on parents for their provision, for their safety. They really can't do much on their own. And some of you guys may be going, wow, he's been really hard on kids. First of all, you're not a parent, okay? Because <laughs> every parent in here just went, oh, thank you. I, had not, I have not heard a more, more relatable message in my life. <laughs> but also, you have to remember, the reason why I'm being so harsh and so critical is because This is exactly how we are towards God. We are totally helpless. We are undeserving. We are ungrateful. Most of the time, we're pretty self-destructive. If you were to look at our relationship with God, what do you bring into the table? What are you offering him? Are you going, hey, I fed some homeless people. He's going to go, huh? I created the world. I sustained the world. I created everything in it. In fact, every breath that you take is reliant on me. Any gifts that you have, any resources, any talents, everything that you've got is all because of me. What exactly are you contributing to this relationship? 
nothing. You're helpless. Not only are you helpless on a day-to-day basis, but you are helpless when it comes to spiritual things. We have this broken relationship because of this thing called sin. And somehow we believe that if we do a couple good deeds and we're a good person, that we're going to mend that relationship. And God's going, you can't fix this. You're not going to do anything good enough to impress me so that you can come and be in my presence for eternity. No. The only way that you and I are going to reconcile is if I come down there and I do something about this. Because you're helpless. You can't bring anything. It's like our infant at our home. You don't contribute at all to this relationship. I'm the one who has to do everything. We're also, just like children, which we are, we're undeserving, is we do everything that we can not to, um, not, not to better our relationship or better our lives. In fact, most of the things that we do is pretty self-destructive. I know this is true of me. It's got to be true of you. Is I constantly am finding the closest cliff and jumping off of it. Oh, I shouldn't eat that? Let me eat that. Oh, I shouldn't buy that? I'm going to buy that. Oh, I shouldn't say that? I'm going to say that. My life is constant, me just trying to figure out how I can self-destruct. It's true of my relationship with God. He says to do this, I'm going to do the opposite. He desires this for my life, I'm not interested. It is constant me trying to destroy myself and me trying to destroy my relationship with God. And as if this weren't enough, and he comes in and he reconciles us and he dies on the cross, my view of the world is not, it's amazing. I got up today. Can you believe it? I got to hang out with my kids. This is incredible. Most of the time, it's me throwing a fit because I didn't get what I wanted today. Just like when my kids melt down at Target and they're losing it, that's kind of like me and God. I'm like, God, but you didn't give me my sippy cup and I wanted it now. (laughs) A Christian is someone who admits that they are totally helpless They are totally undeserving of God's forgiveness, and it is only by his grace, his unmerited favor, that we can be reconciled with him. We come in like an infant into a parent's home. I got nothing. In fact, I'm totally dependent on you. I can't do this without you. You're going to have to take care of me. You're going to have to sustain me. The Christian is the person who realizes that they can bring nothing to this relationship. It's by pure grace alone that they can be reconciled to their Savior. I remember um, at the beginning we talked about this idea of putting the pros and cons of having children and how we would never have kids if we went like that, and and yet we do have kids. Why? Why do we have kids? Well, because there's something that can't be put on paper, something that can't be quantified, and that's this thing called love. I would do anything for my children. I would die. I would kill for my children. See, the same thing is true of our relationship with God. It makes no sense on paper that he would care for us, that he would die for us, that he would want to spend eternity with us, that he wants a relationship with us. He needs nothing. Why would he do that? It's this thing called love because he loves you like a good father loves their children. Now, children are not just a, uh, a mirror, but they're also a model. Is they model what our relationship with God should look like. Kids are incredibly trusting If you are a parent and you tell your little one something, they're just going to believe that it's true. In fact, we have to teach them to be more skeptical and cynical about life. Don't talk to strangers. Don't believe everything that you're told. You're a little bit too trusting. Now, I'll be honest. I leverage their uh, innocence and trust to my benefit sometimes in order to get my kids to do what I want them to. I will freely admit that. The other day we were in drive-thru for In-N-Out, and my 
three-year-old Ezra is losing his mind over who knows what and just, I can't take it anymore. And at that moment, a cop car drives right next to us. And I go, oh no, Ezra, I think they're here for you. They're going to put you in kid jail. I think they hear you crying. And he just immediately is like, whoop. And he looked at each other like, I don't know, it worked. I don't know. It just says, I don't know how that worked, but that was fantastic. I'm okay. It's a white lie. But Jesus is saying, you know what? You need to become more like children in the fact that you need to just simply trust. You need to go, you need to kind of help. I don't know why this pops in my head, but Benjamin Button, this whole thing, right? Quit being so mature. Quit being so old because you're cynical. You don't trust. I just need you to simply believe just like a kid would believe their parents because they say, you know what? You want what's best for me and I may not understand it. I may not like it, but I trust that you know better than I do. Kids are also, uh, in some aspects, more humble than we are, is they don't really care about social status. We hang out with people who are like us, who maybe have the right, uh, right houses, and they do the right uh, sports, and the right economic status, and kids aren't interested in any of those things. Kids see people as people. They go, you want to play with me? Done. We're in. Let's play. They don't, they don't care who you are. They don't care what you look like. As long as you're willing to play, they're in. See, Jesus says, if you want to be a part of the kingdom, you have to turn what you value upside down. You go from valuing, valuing status to valuing people. You start to look at not what people do for a living and not what kind of successes they've had, but just how you can serve them, how you can love them. See, kids are willing to get in the dirt with people. Jesus was willing to get in the dirt with people. Are we willing to get in the dirt with people? Or are we too uppity? We're too, oh, I am somebody. I couldn't imagine. Do you know who I am? Do you know what I do? Now Jesus goes, look, you know who I am and you know what I've done? Yeah, I've gone from the top to the bottom. What, what are you going to do? Kids are also confident in who they are. My kids, and we're trying to break this habit, is when they walk into the front door, they rip off all of their clothes. <laughs> and... Um, we had to make a rule. You cannot go into the front yard during Nakey Jaybird time, okay? That's just a non-negotiable. It's embarrassing in front of the neighbors. And they will dance, and they will sing, and they just think it's the best thing. And there is no insecurity. There's no body image issues. They are just, woo, free as a bird, right? I'm just we're ready to rock. And it's because they're confident. They're confident in who they are. I go, I don't know, man, this is just who I am, and I haven't been beat up by the world, and I don't have all those wounds and insecurities, and so this is how I was made, and this is who I'm going to be. And see, a Christian is someone who says, you know, I'm just, I'm confident. I'm not confident in everything I've ever done. I'm not confident in some of my struggles. No, 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 I'm confident that I have been loved by my creator, that he has brought me into his family, and so I, I'm good. I'm confident in the fact that I am a son and daughter of the living God. I can be confident. And you know what? Kids are also confident that you're going to love them no matter what. I can have the worst day possible with my children where they will just drive me crazy. I'm having an emotional breakdown. I'm in tears. I don't, but I want to cry inside. It's just not going well. I will sit down on the couch and they will just cuddle up next to me and go, hey, dad, want to watch some TV? <laughs> TV? I almost lost my mind today. Oh, that was so like 30 minutes ago. You've got to be over it by now. Come on, Dad, let's hang. What? Hang? I'm trembling over here, and you went to hang? Well, of course. You can't be mad about that anymore because you still love me, right? 
Yeah, I, yeah, I do. Okay, well, hey, we're good. Because they know no matter what they do, you're still going to love them. Even if they drive you nuts, you, you are still going to love them at the end of the day. And see, a Christian says this. It says, you know, I know that I've done some pretty bad things, and yet God still loves me. See, some people come to God and they think, well, I've done some really bad things, and so God can't love me. Or other people come and they say, you know, I've done some really good things, so God should love me. And a Christian says, no, mm -mm. I've done some really bad things, and yet God still loves me. I, um, I want to end with just a couple practical implications. In Matthew 18, 5, it says this, Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. What Jesus is saying here is, I'm going to know how much you love me by how you treat my kids. Right? I mean, that makes sense. As a parent, that totally makes sense. If you want to be my friend, but you don't treat my kids well, no, we're not friends. Because I'll know how much you care for me by how you love my kids. And so the vision for not only, I think, our lives, but for this church as a community is to be a community in which we just unconditionally love these kids. We invest in them, even the, the, the cute infants all the way up to the smelly junior hires and the cool, cool, too cool high schoolers, everybody in between. We just go, you know what? Come here. Let me give you a big bear hug. You're welcome here. I love that you're here. I want to get to know you. I want to know your name. I want to know what you're about. And here's the thing that can happen is if we become a community like that, which I think there are so many people in this church who do this, if we can become that place, even more so than we are, I know that it will change the trajectory of these kids' lives because it happened to me. I grew up in a church where there's a lot of people who loved on me and cared for me, even when it was really difficult, where they just went, oh, I don't want to love on this kid, but I, Jesus would love him, so I'm going to love him. And it changed me. It changed me dramatically because I got to see a bigger picture for my life. There was adults who would invest in me and they would hang out with me and they would say, you know what? Um, I see these gifts in you. I think that this is who you could become. I got to go on trips around the world, India and Africa and Guatemala and Mexico. And I went, the pocket of the world that I live in is not what the rest of the world looks like. I got a whole new view of what's happening within the world. See, it, it changed who I was dramatically, and it surrounded me with a community. And I see it happening. I, I, so I, a few months ago, we had a worship night. And I got up, and I did a 15-minute talk, I think, and then I came back down. And, and I ran into a, a woman who was my Sunday school teacher a long time ago. She moved away, but she was in town, and she wanted to do a surprise visit. And she was crying. And she's like, I can't believe you made it. <laughs> it's like it was touch and go for a while there, but, oh, you made it. And it was so cool, you know, just like, wow, she, I remember she'd bring baseball cards to bribe me to memorize Bible verses. And she would do anything that she could. And because and she wasn't my mom, she didn't have kids of her own. And she said, you know what, Jesus will love you, I'm going to love you. And I see it happening to my kids too. It's, and I don't think it's just because they're my kids or whatever. Uh, they go into the children's building and there'll be teachers who go, oh, you're here. Like, we've been waiting for you. I know it's an act, but hey, you're here. No, but they care. They'll grab them, give them kisses on the cheek. Tell me about your week. How was VBS? I saw you doing those moves. Oh, my goodness. That was so cool. And I just light up. I go, there are people here who love my kids, who want to invest in my kids. That's, that's amazing. The other part of the verse in, Matthew, or in Mark 10, at the very beginning it says, and it's just a, just a little note, but I don't want to miss it. It says, people were bringing little children to Jesus. 
one of the biggest gifts that I've had in my life is a, um, a family that continued to bring me to Jesus whether I liked it or not. When I was a teenager, they dragged me to Jesus. As a kid, they brought me to Jesus. But, but here's, the, here's the fact is kids can't bring themselves to Jesus. Their parents have to help. They don't drive themselves. They really probably can't figure it. Parents bring their kids to Jesus. Now, I, I want to make sure that I'm clear on this. It's not just parents. It's parents. It's grandparents. It's aunts. It's uncles. It's a community of people who say, we are bringing these kids to Jesus. They have to know the Savior. We're going to do everything in our power to make sure that these children get to meet Jesus. Some of our best volunteers around here are people who either their kids have moved out of the house or they don't have kids yet. Our entire children's building, VBS, was full of people like that. Because, you know, they got a little bit more time maybe than the parents who are chasing kids around. And so they can go, you know what, this week I'm going to be praying for you. I'm going to be preparing. And when you drop them off, we are just going to have such a great time. We're going to learn about Jesus. So don't think that just because maybe you're an empty nester or maybe you don't have kids yet that you're off the hook. No, no, no. This is an all play. This is an everybody gets involved. Because if we love Jesus, we got to love his kids. And so in the chaos of raising kids and the chaos of life, I just want to remind us of what our main priority is. I get distracted all the time. There's a million things, and so sometimes I forget what I'm really supposed to be doing. And what we are doing here as a church and what we're doing as parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles is we are trying to remove any and every obstacle in these kids' faith journeys and trying to show them what an incredible gift it is that we get to follow Jesus. Let's pray. Lord God, You've been so good to us. Um, you have blessed this congregation with um, the responsibility to be able to invest in these kids, Lord God. We have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of kids that are represented in this church. And that is a huge responsibility, but one that we celebrate that you would allow us to have. And so, Lord, let us be good stewards of these relationships. Let us invest in these kids. More importantly, let these kids become adults who love you. And let us do everything within our power to be parents, to be grandparents, aunts, uncles, just parts of this community that bring these kids to you. Lord, we love you. We thank you. It's your name we pray. Amen.